0: awesome i think we're back and uh obviously sans kate who had important things to do uh for her other career (laughs) or other other career maybe uh Mm. yeah um and uh but we have more questions to answer uh and ben you have those
1: i do have questions um so this question uh is to both of us from the production side what have you learned about making a good podcast?
0: Hmm. I'll let you answer this first, Ben, because you edit the podcast the most and I think um, mm. although we, um, we I guess we both have thoughts and philosophies on that, but um
1: yeah, I I mean I think I used to be a lot tighter with my edit. Yeah. Um, I would really like cut down things a lot, even I think unnecessarily. Mm. Um and what I have found myself doing now is I will edit on one screen while doing something on another or yeah. on my phone. And I will only cut gaps when I notice it. Yeah. I've started doing that too. Um I find if I, yeah, if I'm just if I'm just listening to it and there's an unnaturally long pause I will hear that unnaturally long pause so I cut that Um, but otherwise I think I think the thing that I have learnt from a production side of things is structuring stories Mm. in a a way because I used to run really long term like long form narrative campaigns um, that often didn't have a, a real solid beginning middle end mm. it was like one campaign was happening like one like a big adventure story was happening like a road trip style like we're gonna go from this place to here to deliver something and there's gonna be adventures along the way yeah and there'd be like arcs that would start in between like in those stories or like one arc would happen and then I'd start the next arc before that one really fully finished so mm. they'd like blended into the next arc um and I think when I've been planning stories for the podcast I really am now thinking like what is the start of the story where do I want to get to in the end and what cool things can I put in the middle yeah so I've definitely gotten better at crafting mm. stories and, and particularly with our Cobalt capers crafting like how do I get all of that to happen for our players in an hour and a half mm. a like or, or, or plan for it to be happening in an hour and allow for half an hour of shenanigans yeah um I think yeah my, my dming has definitely improved
0: and I, I will say that's a good point because I, I think actually um, when it comes to production, um, planning is the most important part, like it's actually all of the stuff that you preload is what makes it great. Um, so for us, I guess a big part of it is actually that we, we we have to edit less now because we play in a way that means we have to edit less than when we first started. Um, Sometimes, um, occasionally, Harold is a little snappy as a character because Ross, the person, is listening to what's going on. And I'm thinking this is getting boring from an audience perspective, and I'm moving things along as Harold, basically, sometimes. Like, sometimes when Harold is sort of a bit abrupt or kind of seems to be, like, changing the direction, that's because I'm almost trying to live edit things a little bit. And I'm sure that happens the other players, too, sometimes, you know. Or Ben sometimes will sort of realise things, are, like we're, we're dwelling on something that isn't really um you know from a game point of view that's perfectly fine but from a narrative podcast point of view it's like okay let's you know let's move things along and, and uh, I think that's sort of an important thing um mm. if you want purely like you know audio engineering production tips um I did a whole stream on what I do these days but what I will say is um Get, get it right at the source because it, there's very little magic that you can actually do behind the scenes. Um, and I will say this as well. Those fancy USB mics, they look cool, but you can get better sound with cheaper equipment uh, that's more suited to the purpose. Like, um, I, I outfitted the girls with a Rode, uh, I think it's Pod Pro or something like that, or Pod Mic. Um... Those aren't especially expensive, but um, they're really good. They're very clear on the voice, and they require a lot, like basically, no work from me uh, in the Mm -hmm. mastering stage. Like, I do very basic things, like I cut out a little bit of like that muddy frequency that can, um, muddy frequency that can like, in certain situations, can make the voice hard to hear. And the only other thing I do is like every single person has a, a sort of frequency range where the intelligibility lives and that's different for everyone but I just boost that just a little bit um, and that's like yeah those are my I think those are the most important tips I would say like just, just yeah. get the equipment right and a lot of the other stuff will just happen naturally
1: yeah and it's not just equipment it's like the the setting you're in as well like if there's noise in the background you can do quite a lot and there, there are some really great um, tools these days to try and cut Especially non, with AI, but yeah, especially like like non-verbal uh, audio. A lot of great tools to do, but you're also losing some audio when you do that. Uh, so I think if you can like, create an environment for recording that works best for that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's move to another question. So, uh, I think this is. Just going to be for you, Ross, mm. as our only uh, player here now. If you could change class for your character, mm. what would they be?
0: Oh, interesting. So, like, Harold would still be Harold, but he would just
1: be, a, different be class. a druid. Hmm. Yes. I and think... I think I'll highlight this for the next time we have one of these, where I can ask Joe and Kate. Yeah.
0: I think Harold would be a cleric, to be honest. I think he actually plays like a cleric and he has the cleric personality, you know, he's, um, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's mostly a spellcaster, you know, he doesn't use wild shape that much. Um, and yeah, I think that he would probably be a cleric of some kind, um, probably with some kind of like protective or, um, adventurous like, God, you know, like a God that looks over people who adventure or something, you know. Mm -hmm. There is a God of adventurers, yes. Yeah, that would kind of be on brand. But, yeah, um, he would probably be a peace cleric, to be honest. Um, I think Harold uh, would do well with that sort of, like, friendship and kind of bonding kind of stuff. Um, Because a lot Mm -hmm. of Harold's spells are actually, like, utility defensive type
1: things. Uh, I think if we had... Um, if Harold was different from the start, mm. my answer is different. Yeah. So I think there is definitely cleric, definitely cleric vibes from Harold now. But I think if we had started Harold with a different class, I think uh, sorcerer. Yeah, because. And I love Harold, but the idea that Harold got his magic from his parents—like he was born into it, like he inherited uh, magic—I think, yeah, like because that's kind of what like sorcerers—they get magic from somewhere in their bloodline. There is there is magic in them, but the idea that like Harold's like Harold's well off because his family's well off. Yeah. And the idea that like oh Harold has magic because his family has magic. Like he yeah. just he just got that. It's and that like would be dramatic. an interesting yeah. um interesting from like a oh well this is potential and she's a wizard and she had to learn how to do magic. Yeah.
0: I mean Harold as um, it is already sort of you know, is is a class that doesn't have to study magic per se, but I think there is a certain um implied like studiousness right like druids don't Mm. just know magic they they become uh, familiar with nature right um and harold i guess has become familiar enough with the stars but i've flavored it in such a way as well that it's like the stars speak to him as well which Mm -hmm. is not mechanically correct but is flavorfully correct for Harold I think it's the idea that Harold's not a studier you know he's not a studious person especially so I wanted for him to have a way to like oh well I got this this object and this object connects me to the stars and the stars have given me things in return like um, which is where like a cleric could be good because for instance you know those
1: powers come from like devotion
0: to gods and stuff
1: hmm um Professor Remiru, yes. <laughs> I can only imagine potential's lividness at Harold being born with magic after having her. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like yeah. and that's I think the the relationship that is often the case for wizards and sorcerers. Yeah. Like wizards had to, to practice and learn and study to get magic, and sorcerers are like, ooh, fire. Yeah.
0: And I actually do think that um in a in a system that was less mechanical than D&D. There would be a lot more difference between the type of magic that wizards and sorcerers could cast. Um,
1: Yeah, the spell lists are very similar.
0: Yeah, where I think actually from from actually a, a more modern fantasy setting wizards are the ones doing the sort of like unlocking the doors and like creating like mage hand and stuff, whereas sorcerers are more connected with elemental magic. And I think actually what I would do is I wouldn't make Fireball a staple of the wizards. Maybe wizards aren't casting these kind of elemental spells. But of course D D has this history now of them doing that. So we can't we can't undo that now. But I would separate sorcerers and wizards from the type of magic they can do a lot more if it were me. Um,
1: I would be I'd be interested in trying the alternate sorcerer uh like the alternate magic casting system specifically for sorcerers where uh instead of spell slots you have like magic points Mm. and each spell is worth a certain number of points and you can spend like expend points to cast spells of any level you just Mm. get a certain number and sorcerers other thing like like in that way sorcerers like oh you get all of this is this is your reservoir of magic and sorcerers just get to pull from that reservoir to cast any of their spells. Yeah. Um, like, totally removing spell slots from sorcerers. It's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. It's one of the alternate rules for, for casting magic. Mm. Um, and I think that would make sorcerers really interesting. Uh, like and, and different to, like, a warlock as well, because warlocks yeah. just, yeah. like, they have a totally different... Like, well, not totally different. It's like, it's like a smaller number of spells and spells charging on a, on a short rest yeah which is just like just give me 10 minutes and a sandwich like uh, and off we go again but sorcerers having this 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 pool of magic that gets re- recovered over time i think is different and maybe that's how i would do things differently for sorcerers um i think the like bloodlines for sorcerers really add a lot to them but they mm. almost don't go far enough yeah um okay so the question here for me uh, which is where do I find the inspiration for world building? Um, I get a lot of inspiration from books and film and mm. games and stuff. Um, nothing is truly original, uh, and everything is just remixes of other stuff. Um, you know, like I have a cool idea for an NPC I, I've maybe seen a variation on that somewhere else or I've read something else similar yeah um, I mean sometimes there's just like I'll, I'll just be sitting down somewhere or having a shower often shower thoughts are a thing and like an idea will come to me like what if there's a barbarian who t- learned to read and became a librarian a librarian barbarian. And what if instead of Conan the Barbarian, it's in the Librarian? Done. That's a character now. And so, like, it, it, it can sometimes just be as simple as just throwing ideas together until something falls out. Hmm. But it can also sometimes be, uh, like... Thinking about something and then just running what that would mean for, for other things. Yeah. Like, uh, here's a, a great example diamonds are used for resurrection spells. Mm. What does that mean for the world? Well, diamond jewelry becomes very valuable, but also has. Like connotations associated with it, because mm-hmm. like, oh well, that diamond could be used to bring someone back from the dead. Yeah, and you're wearing it as a piece of jewelry.
0: Yeah, it, it's like the, the 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 symbolism of privilege just goes into overdrive when you think of how powerful those things are, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, or uh, a, a great example is if you have a. A race of people that are exceptionally long-lived. Why aren't they in control of everything? Like, if if you're if you're a race of people, and you can do like think like long-term deposits for banking, and like long-term investing. Yeah. Um. But if you live like eight hundred years, your long-term investments are really going to pay off uh and so like why aren't those people then in charge of of like money systems and Mm. and doing stuff and if they aren't in charge of those things why what is stopping them from doing it or why have they chosen not to do it
0: yeah um And I think as well, it's just those kind of things also give you a chance to reframe these classic, uh, like, you know, um, vampires are evil, right? Except, well, what if they're not all evil? What if they are the bankers and, like... You know the the finance bros or whatever and I think that's it gives you thinking about the world in that way does give you an interesting way to reframe what good and evil means right because you could argue that you know hoarding wealth and using your long life to take advantage of investments is still an evil thing because you're actually just creating wealth inequality right like it's just mm-hmm. a different
1: form of evil <laughs> well I mean like uh, the other example of like oh well this dwarf um, is in is my is in my boss's position and when they retire i'm gonna move up and become the, and, and get that position but they're gonna outlive you they're gonna be in that position long before you've left like long after you've left yeah so that's like this, there's this downward pressure on on like an economy of people who just don't get to move up in the world because there are people sitting there who are like doing their jobs for them like doing their job and not going to leave um and like that's like a really interesting thing i've had to think about in Pharaoh masters because it is like a mixed right, it's a mixed you know civilization um and i think at, at what we find in the modern world is that groups of people do integrate and also groups of people find their own communities in mm. those larger communities, which is why there's like a district in, in Ferramussis, which is like a dwarven district. Yeah. Um, where they, like, I think there is I think there's I read a short story about what it would be like to be an elf in a town full of humans mm. and have children there be born grow up get married have their own kids grow old and that elf hasn't changed mm. and that there can be entire an entire generation of people in that town where that elf was always there yeah and like an elf m- might be friendly with these townspeople but can can an elf really be friends with them mm because you know if, if you're this eternal being that lives 800 years, are you going to spend time getting friend getting friendly with a being that is only going to live 50 60 years and you know what does that mean for the for the people like the humans in that world where there are elves there? Anyway, yeah. So I, I can talk about world building for a long for a long time. Um, oh yeah. So Doctor Dr. Rimuru talking about how there are like forgotten legends in the world, but yeah. then like, oh, my granny remembers Noah's Ark. Yeah.
0: Arc. yeah. Well, it's like the problem with Lord of the Rings, right? It's like, oh, everyone forgot about the ring. It's like, except for you, Galadriel, who's literally the narrator who was there when it was first revealed. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I don't think the elves forgot about the ring, did they? Like, yeah, it's like that problem, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, fun Lord of the Rings production fact. They created an entirely unique... This is totally off topic now. Mm-hmm. They-, they created an entirely unique lighting system just for when you get shots of Galadriel. Yeah, right. They created a lighting system to look like starlight. Yeah. So that when you when you see Galadriel, and you see the reflection in her eyes, because Galadriel is, I think, the only elf left who saw the tree in in that like yes in I the the, so. the realms beyond. Yeah. So she's the only elf alive that saw that. So like she has this like starlight in her eyes because she's seen the thing that like no one else has seen and they created this entirely unique lighting rig just for her just for the shots where you see her eyes up close
0: I mean I mean to be fair like that doesn't surprise me like the 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 lengths that they went to in that film to Mm. to produce things and just make a quality film is like crazy like I I've spent as much time watching behind the scenes as I have watching those films like it's
1: just yeah um, okay, I have, I have another question here. So, uh, I, this person says, I really like the idea of a travelling snack machine. Mm-hmm. If you could have Vendee follow you around, what drinks or snacks would you like it to have?
0: Well, certainly something with caffeine. Like, I personally am not a coffee drinker, but I, I do enjoy caffeinated beverages. Um, so, certainly something caffeinated. Um Maybe like a really authentic like Mexican sugar, you know, like sugar cola. You know, like natural mm-hmm. sugar colas. Like they're so good. Um, uh, but also like in terms of snacks, if we if we're thinking. Yeah, follow you around. I mean, because you're not going to have like a microwave everywhere. So you, you're going to want it to be the kind of food you can just pick up and eat without any further intervention, I suppose.
1: I mean, this is this is none of you. You didn't test if Fendi could eat things. Well, we didn't. No, that's correct. Uh, but um, hmm, Oh,
0: what kind of snacks? I mean, I'm parcel to a good potato chip. uh, uh Bacon flavor, especially I'm a big fan of. Um, mm hmm. You know they're they're very easy to eat and they don't um, they don't give you like that tang like you know like a good like salt and vinegar crisp is so satisfying but you can only eat so many before your jaw just sort of like yeah has mm. that feeling.
1: I like the the versatility of saying a slice of pizza. Yeah. Give, if if I could change what is on that slice every time yeah. I ask for it, that yeah. would be handy. Um otherwise like yeah like a caffeinated beverage i think could be a good one um promethean in chat brings up an interesting point of going back yeah. to elves. Um, the long-lived race thing raises the question of memory just because orion Leafstalker has lived a thousand years doesn't mean he recalls more than a few glimpses there's a really great single player role play game called thousand year vampire about like you play as a vampire who is going to be living a thousand years? And you write journal entries in this book as you go. And then every couple pages, it says, you know, like go back and remember a couple things, mm-hmm. but then you just forget everything else. Yeah. And so, like, it, and then you have to start solving like mysteries and things, and like people show up, and you, like, you created this person, but now you don't remember anything about them. Mm. Yeah, really interesting system. I, I haven't really played many single-player, like, single-person role-play games, mostly because I don't know if I could trust myself to, like, stick with the rules of it. Um, but it'd be interesting. Um, Dr. Emery says a mobile coconut water dispenser would be yeah. useful. Uh, I think that would be, like a really interesting because isn't coconut water also like an iv uh like it's um it is isotonic with blood sorry in in an emergency
0: (laughs) yes i wouldn't recommend it uh for various uh bacterial like bacteriological reasons but it is like saline essentially
1: um Mm. in
0: in composition uh if you did need to
1: yeah. Yeah, but Renaness Rin- um, re- replied to Prometheus saying, you know, like, what was the most important thing for you 10 years ago? Like, what that mm. for an elf, that 10 years was, was nothing. Like, why would I remember that? That was almost yeah. yesterday. It was just, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so another question. Uh, what's a behind-the-scenes thing that we are particularly proud of?
0: Hmm... Um every now and then when i have a lot of time i really put a lot of effort into creating um like a really full experience for the podcast
1: like background noise sound effects um there are some episodes where you do like left right sound mixing stuff
0: yeah like i it's really hard because i assume most people are listening in mono but if you listen in stereo sometimes you will get some really cool spatial cues um yeah, from certain things. But honestly, um, I just think the fact that, you know, humbly, our podcast sounds better than like 90% of the podcasts out there, which is an
1: achievement. I mean, I think... The longer I'm on the internet, the more the the expression better than the majority has less weight for me, I
0: Absolutely, think. Because a lot of things are made. That's...
1: You know. Yeah. Um, so I think there's definitely we don't have that audio fuzz that a lot of podcasts have yeah or even some like uh poorly made radio has that like background audio fuzz that is just ever present um where where, if if i i number of times i've seen something not professionally but semi-professionally like created and put out into the world and I hear that audio fuzz in like a, in someone's video. I'm mm. Just, just, it's not, it's not that hard to just do a mask over the audio and just cut out that bottom fuzz. Yeah, it it does affect the top peaks. It does like limit it a little bit, but for the most part, you can really f- like clean up your audio and yeah. Hopefully, that becomes a thing that people. I mean, I, okay, the thing that I'm. From a behind-the-scenes thing that I'm particularly proud of is how good we've been at being weekly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I say, there are very few exceptions where we haven't, um, like, we've 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 accidentally not released an episode like once. Um, but yeah, like mostly we we do we do tell people ahead of time. Hey, we're taking a couple of weeks off. We'll be back then, um, hmm. and just like.
1: Yeah, there's only been a couple times where like everything has gone wrong. Yeah, and we've lost and we've lost audio. Or yeah, that's yeah, that's only happened
0: to us once because we're very careful about like yeah, like I think three different sources we have now for the most part I of think, our recordings.
1: So I think I think our worst. I'm gonna is this is one of the. I, I think it's come out. Yeah, it has. We had an audio recording where like it felt like everything went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Like, was it my Discord needed to be updated or...
0: Oh, that's right. You it's had not... this, this really squelchy audio. and
1: Yeah, it was, really, it was really messed up. And then I had to restart my computer and it took forever for my computer to restart. Yeah. And then Kate or Joe had some audio issues. And then when I was editing it, there was some... Pro- it was just... For whatever reason, it was just the most cursed audio recording we've had. Apart from the ones where we would be actually we lost audio, lost it, yeah. <laughs> uh, like it just it just disappeared off off, off some hard drives. Um, but yeah, like th- that one was just cursed. And hopefully, none of you know which episodes it was. Yeah, um, we still
0: managed to get that that out somehow. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, like yeah, yeah, occasionally we do get something where you know the the audio doesn't meet, like, my quality standards,
1: but we have no choice. Um, yeah, like, there was, there was an, uh, a recording we did where I think it was my... Something had happened, and my microphone had become unplugged or, yeah, right. or something, and, like, it was working through Discord. So, like, Discord was picking up the microphone, but our recording software, Reaper was using the webcam yeah. microphone audio something like that yeah and so like everyone in the in the call it's like this sounds perfectly normal nothing's mm. going on but listening to it afterwards it's like what happened why is the audio so bad yeah. it's because it, it picked up the wrong mic um yeah i mean that's we've been doing this 3 years and we still have issues with microphones yeah. and stuff and yeah. it's
0: and it's just it's just unavoidable you know it's one of the reasons that we have three different recording sources right like i guess actually another like behind the scenes thing um that i'm especially proud of is like i have written a few music pieces for the show that are like staples of the background music um and they're not there to be flashy you know they're just there to be sort of atmospheric but it is cool to be able to like um contribute like multiple different like creative things to the project beyond
1: just being a character i suppose as well Mm mm-hmm um, okay, so there's, there are some questions here f- just for me. Um, one of them is, are we going to see any more of Jay? I love Jay. I, I hope so. I mean, I I think I would be DMing some one-shots where it makes sense for Jay to be there. Um, I could bring him back as an NPC. That's something that I haven't really done. Mm. Although we haven't really been... Since we introduced Jay in uh, the dragon arc that mm. you ran and then subsequently in the pumpkin panic yeah. arc, um, we haven't really seen Jay. And like, I, I can bring Jay back, but I think part of the fun of Jay is playing him. Yeah. Uh, and it feels it. I mean yeah it feels because Jay is a character that I have created for playing Jay is a D, like a DMPC yeah and I whenever possible try and avoid DMPCs
0: I can certainly imagine some scenarios where he wouldn't have to be too influential uh, oh yeah he could definitely show up again
1: like he could um, show
0: up at some parties and stuff as a sort of cameo i think and that would be quite fun the people in the chat want more jay yeah i love I mean, jay I, 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 want, I want more of the shut up and Right crew in general to be honest like i, I really enjoyed um, dming for that group of characters um you know and that was a fun story uh, and i think that a lot of those characters have similar story beats we could go through, like their own personal adventure kind of thing, but everyone else is there to sort of be supportive as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, there's a question that I think will probably best be asked answered by you and I. Um, this person thought it was interesting to, to include monster battles mm. in D&D. Are there any other games that we think we could try to add into the world? Um clarify Monster Battles is a parody of Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh it it is a uh, a game that we at Ross and I understand because it is parodying something that we understand.
0: Yeah, it's easy for us to um improvise I suppose like something very close to those games and understand the cadence. I think that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. We, it's like the cadence of those games that that we can replicate.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are other games in the real world that we could replicate in Dungeons & Doctrines. I mean, we have, uh, what do they call it, Regicide? Yes. Which is chess. It's It's kind of like chess. It's basically chess.
0: I think it's possible that I actually described some kids playing D&D in one of my games when I DM'd. Like, you were somewhere and I, I described some kids rolling a D20, you know, And yeah, you know, um, which is, uh, everyone, you have to do that. That's a classic trope,
1: I think, D&D within D&D. Um, We've had card games as well. Um, Barbarian, what do I call it? Like, Barbarian? Yeah, like the... Yes? Yeah. Barbarian? Um, like, I could see. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a real game. Yeah,
0: and like I can, I can see introducing something like Settlers of Catan or like those kind of games, because uh, mm. uh, I, I actually can see a like in-world reason why people would want to play those kinds of games.
1: Yeah, I think you could definitely come up with alternate games that we would have a familiarity with um you know rather than settlers of katan to be settlers of some other place in the world yeah. um there are some that i don't think translate like ticket to ride yeah right. i'm not <laughs> sure really has an equivalent um pandemic mm. i don't think really works like you you might have like a, a because, Plague, like, a pen, yeah, a, like, yeah, you know, we're going to play this classic board game, Plague. Yeah.
0: Although, you know, it uh, could be interesting, but in a world with so much magic, it, it's hard
1: to imagine, like, yeah. and that's, yeah, so many things are just solved by magic, aren't they? I mean. <laughs> I mean, that's why Dragon Chest is a thing in D&D as well, like, yeah. there is a more powerful piece above the queen, it's the dragon, and it can leave the board and do other things outside the bo- regular board space. Um... The dragon in dragon chess is like the queen but it's also like the knight because it can hop over spaces because it's a dragon
0: i could see um more mechanical games coming in though like um like say a uh like a japanese uh um like prize arcade you know with like claw machines and uh oh, yeah. those kind of things uh, some
1: artificer creation
0: yeah that could be pretty fun um I can imagine Harold enjoying
1: like, a place like that. <laughs> there is, without giving it away, I do have something coming up uh, to really kind of play with what is... Okay, here is... Okay. Not a spoiler, but a teaser for a future arc. What happens um in a fantasy world if tech bros mm-hmm. yeah i like that uh
0: this reinventing banal stuff um yeah so meredith uh, meredith winning oh. all those games with the starter deck do you know what's beautiful about that i mean that was just purely the dice rolls
1: uh oh yeah and that just created yeah. such a great moment you know <laughs> um all those games with the extensive use of anime object i've i uh, hold true to um again monster battles but with illusion magic. Yeah. Like it I mean like at that point we are just doing Yu-Gi-Oh!. Like it is I play the card and the illusionary monster shows up. Like that is it. Like well like Arden
0: um Ardent Roleplay right has uh
1: Oh uh, the, the the scanning yeah, thing. Yeah. You know it's yeah. really cool stuff. So yeah. Um I mean I think at some point in my earlier D and D career like I wanted to create a an actual original game purely for D and mm. say original, but I would actually be borrowing heavily from an in-universe game from the book series by Garth Nix, the seventh, uh, seventh tower, the seventh mm. tower which is they put cards down and create a shadow monster Mm. based on the attributes of the cards they put down, which are like, I have this lizard and I have this cloud monster and I have this other thing. And then the game creates a shadow version of this conglomeration of monsters because you put the lizard down in the body section and the cloud monster down in the special section and it becomes a creature which has like the lizard body and cloud monster powers and i was like what if i took all of the things in uh the DD monster manual created a deck of cards Mm. which had attributes for each of those things 'Cause they exist in the D D book anyway. And then it just like this monster and this monster and this monster and this monster, and then it spits out through like a some kind of reference system. Yeah. The monster that you now have. And we have a one-on-one battle in game with that. Like the idea of like, oh well, I'm gonna play the Tarisk in, in here, and yes, thank you, Oz superhero. Uh, Yes, Monster Builder from I think it's Monster Builder from Garthnex. Yes. Um so like that could be an interesting idea. But it just it was one of those things I'm like this is a lot of work yeah. for I mean a ten... a, a one scene yeah. thing in a game. Turns out game design is difficult. <laughs> yeah, it would so... be a lot of work for like I would have to go through all that work and then Because I had gone through all of that work, I would shoehorn it into so many things that it would become annoying. Like, oh, some wizard won't help you unless you beat him in this card game. Yeah. And then, like, oh, now you have to go through this... Game again every time I'm going to try and beat this person or do something, and I'm like, well, does it actually build to the like? Does it add to the world? Does it make it? I guess mean, it adds to the world, but does it make it fun? Yeah. And in that case, it has to be interesting to listen to as well. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I, I think I would enjoy playing it myself. I just don't know if it would be fun to listen to. And actually enjoy it oh well um oh we have some more uh sorry so Zanagami said that they love the way susie picked up their, their deck and their arc just susie can pop up anywhere yeah yeah the benefits of having uh, a great guest player who who at short notice i can be like hey yeah. do you want to <laughs> show up to a mini episode and yes. play a card games Yes, Debbie has saved our uh, casting
0: issues on multiple occasions. And we, it's and it's, it's not just, it's just like, it's always such a good time. Like Debbie just fits in so well with us as a group. Um, yeah, we just always have the best time. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, okay, this is the question uh, for me. Oh, it's quite a long one. I'm going to have to copy this because it's so long I have to actually put it into a document because it doesn't read very nicely in my Google form here mm. um, okay uh, so this is from Daniel he asks when you started this back in 2020 you would have had roughly planned how you thought the overall story and character progression would go what has happened in the story where you were like, wow, I would not expect this to happen? Also, if you were able to share without ruining potential future stories, what outcomes didn't happen because the story direction changed? Hit me with those alternate realities. Mm. Okay. Um, hmm. that's, a, that's an involved question. I did have the story roughly planned out. Um, Part of that is because of how a PhD works Mm. and that PhDs are, for the most part, um, they follow a, a, a progression that's fairly uniform everyone's different but like for the most part i can be like okay after six months we have this thing happen after this much we have this thing happen i can throw in some of these things and i can build stories around that um i don't think i expected us to take three years to reach six months yeah i mean i think i think at two years we were only at for like four months. I think we've we've skipped full like it. We're, we're very slowly. I, I think actually the first year is only maybe a month of in game time. Like yes. in, like the first year of us recording is maybe only like a month of in game time. Um, and I think because of how much was happening with the characters and how much we were exploring those characters for the first time and how much not just the audience but the players were getting to know those characters and these things were happening we we needed to spend more time with those characters than I had originally planned Mm -hmm. because I have run games in the past where it's like we get to spend a couple days with these people and then they go off and then we don't see them again for a couple of weeks or a month or more and then we come back and it's been X amount of time and part of the catching up is like what have you been up to mm. in in the time since we last saw you oh well, I've done this and like you kind of it's like um, it's like in Star Wars and uh, the original trilogy where there's a big gap of time between one movie and the next and Characters can have changed between those two things. Like this person who was just a a, a rogue and a scoundrel is now a general mm. in the rebellion. They're still a bit of a rogue and a scoundrel, but like they've taken on this responsibility. They're different now. And we just have to assume that there is stuff that's happened in, in between that those two movies. Um and it lets if Star Wars was a DD and d game, it lets the player in control of that character go, I want to grow as a, as a character and, and do these things and change my trajectory. Um, and I think we found ourselves actually wanting to explore who these characters are, what's going on, and show that more than just kind of jump from one adventure to the next. Yeah um and so i think that's something i was like i did not expect that to happen um but moments in the story where i was like oh i did like oh okay here's the perfect example very first story arc uh i didn't expect them to just go and buy the the things that they needed to make the smoke bombs yeah <laughs> I had an adventure where they would sneak into chemistry labs and steal the stuff yeah and they're like no we're just gonna go buy it I go like, oh, okay that's fine I mean it's funny in
0: the end it turned out to be a good thing because we already uh, that, that that adventure already went quite long sort of... Um, yeah, from like an editing point of view, I guess. Um mm. but yeah, um I guess there's just a lot of moments like that, right? Like, um like potentia has a way of like shortcutting the adventure a lot because her brain works that way, right? Like a lot of the time she doesn't wanna be there and so like she's gonna come up with these elaborate, like um not even always elaborate, but just like, you know, ways of of like ending the adventure that like would never say like Harold would never think of because he's not smart enough for one but also I guess he's just he wants the adventure so like it doesn't occur to him sometimes I think it's yeah like it's it's always interesting how different characters throw like different wrenches into proceedings
1: Mm. I mean like I had uh I had an idea for how to progress the story in the moon arc with we're going to give everybody uh, water spacesuits, spacesuits made of water, where everyone's going to have somebody use shape water on them to give them a suit, and they'd all be using scrolls of water breathing so that they would be contained in water on the moon, breathing water. And that was my idea for, like, a spacesuit without having to, like, create magic suits just like oh we're just going to give them water suits because like water is pretty decent at absorbing radiation and dealing with heat fluctuations um and like that was my solution for how do how do i get people in a low technological setting to be on the moon and survive to get outside of this protective bubble i've created how do i get them somewhere else I'm going to give them water space suits. And all of the characters were like, that's... No, I'm not doing that. That's... Did you see what happened to that gremlin? It burst into flames. I'm not going out there. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, on second thought, that is uh, a perfectly reasonable explanation, like reason. I don't want to go do that. That sounds dangerous. Yeah. Um, and so... I had to improv moon crabs. Yeah, which is just one of the happiest accidents of all time, basically. <laughs> like, that moon crabs exist because my plan to get the characters to go somewhere didn't work. And I was like, well, what if I just pick up the, the carpet that they're on and move it? Like, get them to where they want to go. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that Oz yeah, I was game, I was superhero. That yeah, the moon crabs were improvised. I created them on the spot to solve a problem, um, and they they sound like Sebastian the crab yeah. because <laughs> they on the spot I was like, oh, that's the crab voice that I came up with. Yeah, um, and then uh, I decided that the big one was was. Oh, and I I decided that they communicated via vibration. Yeah. Because if you're in an environment with no atmosphere, you like you wouldn't speak. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, you you might speak, but the it, the, the the communication translates into vibration. So when you touch, yeah, your vibrating body to the other person's vibrating shell then that vibration translates from you to the... And that's a thing that, like, um, kind of happens in space. Like, you don't hear something unless you're touching it. So, like, there might be a a satellite or something that needs repairing. And as they're approaching it, it is just a silent thing in space floating, floating towards you but then the astronauts touch it, and then they can hear that, like, oh, this thing is making a noise. Like, it's got a, a something wrong inside of it. And it's only when you touch it that you can actually, like, hear that thing. So I'm like, oh, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have these crabs communicate via vibration, and I'm going to have the moon crab queen, which is really, really big, have a really bassy, deep vibration mm. and have, like a like, a whale voice sound to it. Because it's so big that it, it, like, resonates within its own body. Um, so, I guess, like, alternate realities. Uh, you may have become more involved with the thieves. Yeah. Like the, the rogue society. Um, you may have... I, I was fully prepared for you all to go to the temple. Um, yes. Like, the goddess of life and death temple. I was fully prepared for that. I didn't necessarily want you to go there. Mm. I wanted you to go to the strange moon ruins. Yeah. Um, because that's where the the like radiation elemental was kind of directing you yeah um can you think of anything where like where you noticed the story went in a different direction Mm,
0: not off the top of my head but occasionally i do get the feeling that like We might have been supposed to do other things. I feel like as a player, I'm pretty good generally uh, of picking up like, oh, this is the hook. And I sort of built Harold specifically to be the kind of person who is attracted to those kind of events. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, oh, this is the call to adventure. Well, my character definitely wants to do that, so...
1: Um, Alternate timeline, um, Zanagami asks, is there an alternate reality where the players like Mr. Red? I mean, I love Mr. Red as a player. I just,
0: Harold obviously hates his guts uh, for obvious reasons, but yeah.
1: Um, I, I still am a firm believer that Mr. Red is not as bad as you all think he is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, he is... Uh, a, a super old fae being who whose motives are mysterious and his methods are inscrutable and he seems to just have enjoyment out of messing with you all i forgot where i was going i think the problem is though is that he 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 has uh
0: he has aligned himself or offered his services to people who as far as we currently know, are kind of reprehensible, right? Mm-hmm. It may turn out that they are a lot more um, like there's a lot more complexity there. But as far as the characters know and the players know so far, he has aligned himself with like you know essentially terrorists. So, you know, I think that is the overriding factor in his character. Mm. and I mean this in a like a you know an ethical like philosophical you know character um certainly for Harold that is just you know Harold is very idealistic I think and it's going to take a lot to prove to him that those decisions that he has already seen aren't the defining characteristics of that person I think
1: yeah Um, I mean like Harold even hasn't uh actually like listened Harold hasn't seen what's happened with meredith as well
0: no he knows very little of any of that so um yeah uh Valexion, hello thank you for chatting with us for the first time
1: yeah so i think i think harold doesn't know as much as meredith knows i think meredith would be the best person to be like is mr red what is what what's his deal but actually meredith probably also be like i don't know yeah um but
0: i am look i look forward to that development right like i mean mm -hmm. uh, yeah i i like characters that are challenging in multiple ways to interact with because obviously from a role playing playing perspective that's really interesting um so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to to see where that goes i think
1: I'm going to put a poll up if I can work out how to do so um, asking you all what your thoughts on Mr. Red are um, and while I work out how to do that I will ask Ross another question mm. um, what moment or moments did you think the party wasn't going to walk out of it
0: hmm yeah there's been a few like on the moon things were looking pretty bad um it's 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 funny because harold gets himself on the front line quite a bit and so i he's been knocked unconscious i think at least twice as many times as all the other characters probably combined um at this point um so that was pretty concerning i I did think there was a good chance that like you know we might not survive that one um it is hard, though, in a way, because we, we somewhat have plot armor. That there, And there's a lot of times where I'm like, OK, well, this seems bad, but I'm pretty sure Ben will have a plan in some ways to make sure we don't all die. Like, I think there are real stakes. And I think the party could just get wiped um, under the right circumstances. Um, but that's the one that comes to mind immediately. Um, there are certainly opposites I where think, i thought we were going to be in big trouble but actually we ended up sort of accidentally um you know like with that face spider i, I think we just mm, really
1: there was a lot of there was a lot of planning
0: yeah like I, I thought i thought that was going to be a tough fight but in the end we just sort of we rolled well and we came up with a pretty good plan and yeah you know that worked out for us so
1: um I I think set this poll for five minutes. let's do a five minute poll. Um, all right starting a poll about Matt. what's the deal with Mr. Red? Uh, so I think the moon story the the moon battle with the, like the the boss fight on the moon was a challenging fight but i had that reveal with mr Red in my pocket mm. so from my point of view that encounter went almost perfectly it's funny you know because like the dice
0: rolls really like, we're not good. <laughs> you know, uh, both Potentia uh, and Harold's dice rolls were just not great during the fight. Um, so, yeah, it would have been interesting if they had gone better and we might not have needed that assist. And then it would have been interesting at what point you inserted that, like, element into the story because it may not have felt um, organic anymore had things gone mm-hmm. differently. Um...
1: I think I think early on, I was surprised how much damage you could output mm. as a group. I, w- I was surprised about how quickly you could just burst damage yeah. into the world and, and, and take down enemies far faster than I had expected. But at the same time, uh, especially early on, you were all made of paper.
0: Yeah, that's it's 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 rough. Like starting starting at low
1: levels is difficult. You know, and like
0: most enemies could kill a player in two
1: hits. Well, especially because um, I mean, out, outside of of wild shape, there is no tank in the group. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And,
0: and Harold doesn't watch it very often.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, your <laughs> your ability to be the tank is predicated on you being, a, like, you being, oh, I'm going to be a bear or, or something. Yeah. And then you have that animal's hit points as, like, an overshield. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, so I think... I, I was really like thrown because I—it's—it's it's a really unusual party me- party makeup. Yeah, like a wizard, a bard, and a druid. And the druid doesn't tank. The druid DPSs and does healing. The bard is heal support DPS. And the wizard is utility DPS, but somehow, uh, if the statistics from one of our very devoted followers on Twitter is to be believed, Potentia is the tank in the group. A wizard is the tank yeah. in the group because she's <laughs> taken the most damage. Yeah. Um. You mean a quantum mechanic, an astronomer, and a sociologist? Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, like. And so, there is no one in the group to soak up damage. Yeah, and so I have found myself doing moves. I, I like again. This is me borrowing from Monster of the Week, another story, another game system, where you can in Monster of the Week, rather than dealing damage you can like the monsters can do moves that put the players at disadvantage in some way mm. and so i found myself like oh i'm just gonna do a bunch of like little damage but also like have this character get knocked out like knocked that way or put asleep or yeah done something to to like not kill um but like I mean actually that that's the fireball in the cafe mm. like when i was rolling that damage i'm like this is a lot of damage are they gonna be okay okay that everyone like all the player characters are fine a lot of people were not fine in that cafe mm. um but that was like for a narrative story perspective like point of view yeah uh and i think i've been i've been pretty oh the the winner uh, of the poll is unknowable fae being yeah which makes sense they are you know they're very inscrutable
0: which i think is
1: what makes them so yeah. interesting so uh one person said bad per- bad person no one said they're good yeah most people said, tend to think unknowable fae being um oz superhero said that it's the truest of true neutral contradicted behavior with the old masked tabaxi and the golem gang um bad Catman says i figure mr Reg is a villain since it seems like he waited until meredith was at most desperate and felt mm. she had no choice before coming to her on the moon yeah it's a good point yeah very yeah. good point um but what if if, if i'm a otherworldly power and i want somebody to strike a deal with me where it's beneficial for me for them striking the deal mm. Very few people are going to walk into that per- that that otherworldly beings, you know, corner on their on their good days. No. Very few people living their best life is like, you know what? I am going to sign some mysterious deal for for power. That sounds like an excellent decision to make. Give me uh, unknowable cosmic um, regret uh, for a one d six cantrip. Um, Mr. Red not a good guy definitely an unknowable Fae being probably a bad guy yeah Uh, Sanagami says I don't think Mr. Red is good or evil but he has his own motives at play definitely
0: yeah I mean that's actually what makes Fae pretty cool like um, antagonists right like not necessarily um not necessarily like villains, just antagonists, uh, and they're yeah because their motives are um, yeah their motives are just hard to read, and that that's always interesting. I mean that well I, for me, I think villains are they're interesting when either their motives are unclear or their motives are very understandable, mm-hmm. but not in. I between, mean, like right?
1: <laughs> so far, the only thing that Mister Red has asked is go plant this seed. And yeah. don't tell anybody about me. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, one of those seems completely innocuous. But, like, that's the thing about Faye. You don't know what kind of game they're playing. You don't know what kind of long-term thing they have going. Faye makes some really fun patrons as well, is what I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, I think we probably have time for one more question, given the, the time. Cool. Um... So I think, given that it's it, it's been three years, uh, this question comes in from Courtney. Courtney asks, "It's been three years since you all started Dungeons Doctorates. Where do you see it going in another three years?"
0: It's interesting because um, for this this sort of set of characters has a natural endpoint, right? Like when they finish their PhDs. Um, as great friends as they are, I don't imagine they're going to just continue being an adventuring group. So at mm. some point, these characters have to finish. And I think, I don't know if it, in three years we'll get there. I, I do imagine we'll accelerate the timelines a
1: little bit now that we've sort of developed the characters. Um, I mean, I, I, I want to say in three years, we, we have gotten there. Yeah. Or at the point where we're in the final final year of PhD
0: yeah and so i uh, guess the question is you know at that point do we do we roll new sets of phd students or do we do we move the narrative onto a different setting um you know i i, I think we would like to for certain keep the sort of fear masters first going um because we've had so much fun with our one shots and other things you know um uh-huh. just living in the, the city and doing adventures so um i think at some point we have to have that discussion but um, for sure I think we'll be hopefully just carrying on with stories and um, maybe we, we start a new system, you know, we give ourselves mm. the chance to...
1: Well, because um, that way like we'll be in, what, d d 7th edition at that point, 3 years from now? Oh, 6th edition? I mean,
0: with, Yeah, whatever D&D
1: next <laughs> ends up being um, mm. so, Okay, so here's a question Here, I, I want to rephrase this then because 3 years is, you know, we don't know um... Given where the characters currently are, Mm. thinking about them in an academic situation, Mm. let's imagine they all complete their PhDs, because not everybody finishes Mm. their PhD. They complete their PhDs. Do they stay in academia? I mean,
0: I don't see that for Harold. You know, I think... Like I don't think he's interested in that life. I think he saw an opportunity to use the PhD as a like a source of income and uh, a way to learn more about the stars, right? But learning about mm. the stars for him is really he's motivated more by like how he can learn to use those skills for adventuring or like figuring out what happened to his uncle. I I, I feel like mm-hmm. he's not really like. Like I, I, think for him, receiving this the the constellation sphere and the sword, like put a wrench in what he was planning on doing, right? Because he was he was a zoology student, like he was gonna learn about animals and beasts and all that, and then I think all of the that stuff changed the course that he saw for himself, um, and. It's funny, like, I don't think Harold saw himself as an adventurer until he got those objects and they revealed adventures to him. Mm -hmm.
1: So, listeners, take note of this. In three years' time, at a point where I'm hoping that we are getting to the end of the PhDs, um, if, if this answer has changed for Harold... Yeah, that'd be. Interesting. I'm really, I'm really interested to see if yeah. Harold's position has changed in three years' time, like in 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 the roughly four years of doing a PhD. Mm. If Harold will, because that's kind of the time timeline we're looking at. Yeah. Um. If Harold is going to have changed his opinion about academia. Yeah. Um. I, I think I can see potential, being in academia. Mm. She, at the moment, is a very academic person. She wants to understand the universe. She wants to understand how magic works. Uh, I think this is, and then this is me, Ben. I mean, I mean, Kate probably has a different opinion to this, possibly. Mm. But I think Potentia is the kind of person now. Snapshot now who would stay in academia maybe not at ferramastus maybe somewhere else maybe they would be like got my doctorate gonna go study somewhere else do something else do another you know more advanced teaching or more advanced study somewhere else go join a research team somewhere else um but i can see potential sticking in academia meredith i don't know i like in the kind of like sociology Side of things, there's a lot that she can do. Mm. Um, but I almost can see Meredith again, snapshot of where Meredith is now, wanting to like take her research and apply it.
0: Yeah, I think, and yes, I yeah. think I that's what I read from Meredith's character too that she very much like enjoys acts of like social service and that actually this PhD is a chance for her to sort of gain more skills in that area rather than just become like a forever Mm. academic essentially
1: yeah I mean they they might be tempted into doing something like research adjacent Mm. uh And using research to assist in their social work whatever that looks like um here's a question okay i'm I'm gonna take this a, a different way if harold stayed in academia do you think he would make a good professor
0: Hmm. I don't think I I don't think he would like in terms of I don't think he's focused enough. I think that's Harold's issue. I don't think he has the like the mental focus to like uh like lead like research questions, coordinate students, and I don't know if he would be a great teacher because I think he just doesn't have that like um, like, he, he doesn't have, like, the, the logical flow of ideas to, like, really tell them to someone else in a way that will help them, um, which is a really important part of teaching, right? Like, it's the ability to, like, order your ideas in a way that makes them understandable and, like, um, impactful to people.
1: So, like, Harold Harold would be that rogue academic, like in a laboratory with just writing on all the boards everywhere like the, the yeah. classical <laughs> um, like Doctor Who-esque like yeah basically <laughs> um I can see potential being a good a good professor like, like she has questions that she wants answered and she has I think the focus and the drive to to do that mm. Um, I can also see, I can think, I think Meredith would be a very compassionate, like, lecturer. Mm. Um, It just depends on whether or not her non-academic pursuits can mesh with her academic pursuits.
0: Yeah. I guess to ask the question, is there a planned time for how many years each PhD is set to take, um in terms of, like, in real world, you know, like, production time. I think the answer to that is no. We just vaguely expect that as time goes on, each PhD year will take less production time, just because we can afford time jumps from a narrative perspective that we can't afford currently. Uh, Yes, yeah.
1: I mean, we... We skipped not entirely a month, but most of a month when Harold was, like, locked up studying. Yeah. And I... We couldn't have done that if we didn't spend the time beforehand making the characters make sense. Yeah. And if we think... Like, in my mind, rationalising it back, so much of starting a PhD feels like it happens in those first couple months there's so much you're learning there's Mm. so many new things there's people there's places there's ideas there's just understanding how the phd is going to work and then there are like moments in time that you can like snatch onto and remember i'm thinking about my like undergraduate time um like my my postgraduate, but like there are bits that you remember and then the rest is just a blur yeah and i think now that we've kind of gotten through the like introductory part of how the university works and and some of that we're getting to the point now where it's like okay now we're gonna be jumping forward more and more into these these kind of bigger milestones um, or just, like, memories from, from, you know, time at university. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I can see that, that jump happening more and more. Uh, so hopefully, you know, it, it. hopefully in three years' time, we aren't still in the first year of the, of the PhD. Yeah. yeah. I, I think something will have... <laughs> Unless we go on some very large tangent with some massive side story, I don't anticipate that happening.
0: I mean, I suppose the thing as well is that we 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 have indulged in a lot of side stories, right? Like we we're not every single week um, meeting with potential, um, Meredith and Harold, right? Like we we are exploring these other characters and the kobolds. Like mm-hmm. I think that obviously does, you know, that has decelerated the. The, 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 yes. the IRL pace of the story, but I do think that these stories enrich the world that we're in. And so, mm-hmm. um, like we literally just recorded with Sam size from, you know, the um, science and sorcery. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, podcast. Yep. Um, uh, and we we played with three completely new characters in a new part of the city. Uh, and set up some other stuff that potentially could be happening um mm-hmm. I, I feel like what we're doing is we're always just expanding the world and so actually mm-hmm. the most difficult thing will at the end of this will be branding because at a certain point we're like well are we still dungeons and doctorates or are we sort of this for a masters first um
1: mm-hmm. and i mean yeah. i think actually exactly like, I, I did say that was the last question but there is a question that we've sort of touched on now which is uh, are there plans to create a Ferromostus expanded universe? Um, I don't think there are. There's nothing solid, but we definitely have ideas. Yes. Um, um,
0: I mean, we're sort of doing that, right? Like we we've certainly taken the adventure cobalt papers. Yeah, like away from the university. So, in I think, yeah, it's just it's. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Because you build a brand and our brand is Dungeons and & Doctorates and people know us as Dungeons & Doctorates. So if we, like at this point, we are we are more than Dungeons & Doctorates. We're, we're a master stories, right? Or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it, it'll just mm. be a case of maybe, maybe we just have to put time as, as the close of the, the, the Doctorates part is upon us. We just have to maybe build yeah. some time in to sort of, you know, move people to whatever we end up sort of calling ourselves in the long run. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I think there have definitely been other campaign ideas, uh, whether those yeah. are one shots or mini stories. Um, I mean, I think we can possibly reveal some of the ideas we've had.
0: Yeah. Like I, I still want to develop the Delvers, right. A prequel sort of series. Um, and that's just a case of getting everyone together
1: for that. Um, Yeah, I mean, like that—that would be uh, an example where Ross DMs, and I play Harold's uncle.
0: Yeah, which Uh, um, I think I think is would
1: be awesome. Um, I
0: just
1: yeah yeah. I I I had an idea to run a story about the the irregulars. Like yes. playing a group of I mean, rookie like rookies in the irregulars yeah. dealing with weird magic crimes in the world. Um yeah, I mean there, there's a bunch of fun ideas we could do. Uh the fact that I introduced like tiny uh like honey I shrunk the kids as a as a situation we could do something tiny, like have a mm. bunch of like ant people or something.
0: Yeah, and and also like there's there's a there's a big world out there outside of Furimasters too, mm. um, which yeah, obviously is rich to be explored. And I, I think the nice thing is is that we've we've what we've done really is assembled a group of people who uh, have a good working relationship in storytelling now, and because of various awesome initiatives we've met a lot of cool people outside of that group so you know we ben has this rich world that is still has a lot to explore so we just we have a lot of inspiration for material um i think yeah we'll just i think there'll just be a natural progression at some point of just continuing to do that and continuing to enjoy what we do and pulling in you know, certain people at certain times and just telling stories, you know, as, as long as people are willing to listen to them, I think.
1: I think we also have, like Ross and I have discussed, that we also have ideas for further afield stories. Yeah. Like, I would love to run something science fiction. I think, Ross, mm. you've expressed that as well. Yeah. Um, I have a really fun campaign idea, uh, which could fit into the world of um with like a mm. dragons meet Highlander type mm. story where three or four dragons mm. um, discover that there are alternate versions of themselves <laughs> throughout the multiverse mm. and that they're going to go play like dimension hopping and kill the alternate versions of themselves in a there can be only one situation yeah Uh, and the idea of players playing as egomaniacal dragons is a fun thing I've been toying with um I don't know how that would fit like I mean technically if they are multiverse dragons then they could fit into the world of Ferramasters yeah uh but there's like the scope or Feramaster doesn't really it doesn't fit for them.
0: Yeah. I mean I think that's just an interesting thing for any group of creators to try and grapple with. Like um, you know, it's possible that like we've we've structured a show that really lends itself to like looking at these particular characters and we've 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 gone long form with it. It could be that, you know, at the end of this we pivot to doing shorter campaigns but more varied versions, right? We do the sci-fi thing. We do the Highlander thing. And, and rather, I, I think we've locked ourselves into really not having too much time to do these extra things right now because we really like the focus on these characters. Um, but I think that's just, I think...
1: Uh, and I, I think, the demands of a weekly release schedule as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I think uh, it'll be a case of just how we all feel at the... The end, and how much time we all have, and like what time zones we're all in, and whether that allows, um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we expand the team a little bit, and maybe sometimes certain people are involved, and sometimes other people are involved. You know, um, I don't want to speak for anyone, and I don't really know exactly what the future will look like, but I'm just happy that we have a group of people who love creating stuff, and a community of people who just love to be involved. You know, I, I just don't think they'll ever be. Within the next like ten years, like a lack for creativity, there are just so many awesome people around that you know it's it's hard to, it's hard not to be inspired when you have so many people like gifting you inspiration all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, mm,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I think, yeah, the more the more we do this, the more we meet interesting people uh, who we want to collaborate with, um, and. I mean, the, there is probably an argument for uh, do we want to be adding certain, like, to, to an oversaturated story market, mm. but as long as there'll be people they will always want stories. Yeah. Uh, so I think as long as we have fun making it, mm. then hopefully people listening to it will have fun, and that's all that we can really ask for. Well, given that it's 10 30 here. Yeah. Probably time to wrap this stream up. Yes. Um I think we should do a raid. I do. And as well. uh is Corsair's Cove still up? Let's have a look. Corsair's Cove, by the way, a great uh, Australian D D podcast. They're Australian, pretty sure, Corsair's Cove. Mm. Uh, I might be wrong. Corsairs Cove. Are they still live? Um, yes, they are still live. All right, awesome. we're gonna we're gonna raid Corsairs Cove. Um, they're great. Uh, how do I do that? I am not good at this. Raid channel. There we go. Corsairs Cove. We're gonna raid Corsairs Cove. Thank you, everyone, for for joining us today.
0: As always, uh, uh, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, uh, we're going to go to Corsairs Cove. They're playing Baldur's Gate three. Oh. Thanks, everyone, for for joining us tonight. You <laughs> so know, <good>. Celebrating <laughs> three years. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could not have done it without all of you, and all of you has made this the journey that we are in now. Like it, it's yeah, it's because of you. Uh, so hopefully we'll see you again. Um, I'm sure Ross and I will come back at some point and do some some more Dwarf Fortress. Oh, or yeah, absolutely. Uh, do to a playthrough of Baldur's Gate or something. Yeah, um, multiplayer
0: Baldur's Gate, by the way, is amazing.
1: I highly
0: recommend, if you can, experiencing the game that way. Uh, really good.
1: I'm sure we could... I don't... I wonder if we could make potential Meredith and Harold in Baldur's Gate. I bet we could.
0: Uh, I don't think... The some of the more like exotic classes are in there, but we could get mm. something similar going on. I
1: think. zanagami says J in Baldur's Gate three. Oh, I mean, amazing. celestial sorcerer. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Thank you, everybody. We're gonna raid over to uh, Corsairs Cove. Show them some love. Yes.